Staten, welcome um, to family, to friends, to church family. We are going to begin by praying, asking God to join us as we meet together. Holy God, God of heaven and earth, Lord, we rely on you this morning to come and bring comfort. Lord, you are the God of comfort. We look to you as the only one who is able to do so in in true ways. We ask you to help us this morning as we grieve over Joe, and even Lord to help us to rejoice knowing that she is firmly with you. We thank you, and we ask that you would, you would come and meet us as we pray, as we listen to your words, as we remember Joe. Lord, please come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll now be reading a liturgy of lament, and it's going to be on the screen, so would you follow along and respond appropriately. How long, O Lord, must we wake to mornings like this, to the fresh shock of such loss, and to deep sorrow of the knowledge that today we will speak a one-sided goodbye and bury another we love? How How long till you have destroyed the shroud of death that covers all peoples and breaks all fellowships and brings such griefs to your children? O Christ, who reclaims what we have lost, even here at the epicenter of our sorrow, kindle afresh our eternal hope. At the last, its discordant strains will be made unmade and changed and woven back into the perfect patterns of a greater melody of joy and praise. This story does not end where some would say it ends upon this funeral day. Make of us, O God, a people shaped even now by these songs of your coming redemption. For today's goodbye is like the pause that stalls a single line of poetry. And we feel for a time the tension of that phrase suspended, unresolved. But you, O Christ, are the poet king who crafts, creates, and labors to bring all things right so that even this briefly interrupted line will find its great fulfilling rhyme in the time of that glad wedding feast, when you are God and groom receive your bride. So will we all who hold your love more precious than our lives. Now, even as a sailor in the dark of night might chart a true course by the brightest star, 
So let us navigate the sadness of these hours with hearts fixed upon the light of the hope of that promised and pending resurrection. Amen. Let's stand.
Our scripture reading this morning is from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Would you stand and sing this next song as you're able?
You may be seated. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18.
We want to take um, some time now to share some testimonies. We sent out a note to um, some people who we know weren't going to be able to be here today specifically, and we want to also, the families wanted to make this microphone available for some brief testimonies. So uh, if you have something to share, I know uh, Jai is going to share something. If there's um, if there's some other people, we'll take time to do that here in just a few moments. But let me share a couple that came through by email. Um, one is from our, our workers in Turkey who were just home, um, Mark and Becca. They say this, Joe has always been an encouragement to us, always taking a moment to encourage and share in the deepest joys and sorrows with us. Joe had a spirit of humility and seeing her own need for the Lord and inability to grow in grace on her own and yet great hope in the gospel she had received. This was such an example to us as we grow older each year that we never outgrow our need for a savior nor the joy in receiving Christ's forgiveness for our sins. We love you, Joe. We miss you and we grieve for you, yet rejoice with hope that you are now with our savior face to face. That's from Mark and Becca. From BJ and Amanda Fowler, and they say this, there were many things to admire about Joe, many things worth, worthy of imitating. One that we found particularly commendable was her contentment. It's one thing that I heard her say just a few weeks ago in the hospital. I asked her how she was. Actually, was at her out at the house, and she said, I'm content. So many others, including a younger Joe, presumably would balk and complain about so many physical ailments and limitations. While she may have had those moments in prayer, what shone through was a submission to her king and his work, even if it's not what she would have picked. There was never any question who was on the throne in her life, and God used her, a willing vessel, broken and worn out in the world's eyes to do wonderful things, beautiful in God's eyes. A true Titus II woman, teaching others what is good, encouraging towards prayer, scripture memory, loving spouses and family, and above all, praising and kneeling before our Heavenly Father in his perfect will. We remember asking Joe how we could pray for her one day, and she asked that the curtain would be pulled back as she could see a little piece of God's glory. It is a joy to know that she can see it now as she falls on her face before our King, B.J. and Amanda. Elizabeth Paulzer says, I am disappointed to not be able to be here because of being away at school. Joe was such an amazing, Christ-filled, joyful, loving testimony to God. Joe was an encourager. Whenever I interact with Krishna, I am sure to learn something new. Whenever I interacted with Joe, I could always count on being specifically encouraged and coming away feeling loved. I always look forward to walking into church and getting to talk with Joe on my way in. So many times she specifically encouraged me by pointing out how she saw God at work in my life. She loved everyone around her, knew everyone around her, prayed for everyone around her. She served by encouraging. She was marked by a peace and strength. Even when she wasn't feeling well, she never dwelled on it. She had such confidence in Christ. Joe was a model of what it looks like to follow Christ and deeply love those around her. She was a model of the kind of woman I want to be. I have full confidence that she would rather be with Jesus in her new heavenly body worshiping him than in her earthly body, but that she will be greatly missed. I'm so thankful that the Lord allowed me to be touched by and loved by Joe. Those are a few that came in. Now, if you 
Um, Joe, we'll finish with you, if that's okay. Um, is it? Yeah, if you want to start, if you want to come on up. And then after Jai, then I'll invite some others. So I have about uh, 45 minutes worth of comments prepared. And actually, if you know anything about a mantra body and a microphone, um, you'll know that, uh, that that could be true, but I, that's a joke. Uh, just that being said, I, I've just been thinking about stories of my mom. I haven't really prepared anything specifically, um, except to say that on the day that my mom was married, uh, she particularly remembered that there was a, she always said that there was a triple rainbow in the sky. Uh, and she was, some of you that have known my mom over the years know that my mom sometimes could be running late to uh, different events, and she would always joke that she was late to her own wedding and she would probably be late to her own funeral. Um, I say all that not to really focus on just joking and laughing, but that's also who my mom was. She would focus on the positive, and you could never meet her and not come away, um, just as others have said, encouraged. Um, I've, I haven't shed too many tears at my mom's passing, not because I'm not saddened, but because I've been, knowing that this has been coming for a while, but when you're here, it's harder in the moment. One of my friends on Facebook, one of the other things about my mom is you might, you might recall that she actually was very good at forgetting small details or even some other things. Uh, and so she would always say to me growing up, because I was blessed at least with somewhat of a good memory, she would say always that I have a good, that she had a good forgettery. Um, and one of my friends wrote uh, the day that we announced her passing on Facebook, she said, may her memory be eternal. And just the thought that occurred was, well, her memory isn't or won't be but ours of her will be. And I mentioned that to Amy and she said she, that, that my mom would have particularly laughed at that. Um, my mom prayed for so many people and she prayed for everybody. Like the people who will, be missed, who will miss her impact the most are the ones that probably didn't know that she was praying for them. We had a, Amy and I met in Washington, D.C., and we had a, a young adults pastor there, and he started out single in his ministry in that regard. And when we were interviewing him as a candidate for the church, somebody asked him, well, what happens if you have, you know, a nice young lady that you um, like in the ministry or things like that? to which the pastor, senior pastor of the church wisely just handed the mic to uh, the pastor and said, Matt, and Matt was there sweating bullets trying to answer that question. And many years before he met his now wife, he also commented on Facebook, he said, she prayed for me to find a wife and never had met me and didn't know me. Now, I, I corrected Matt that my mom really did know him because I probably talked too much. Um, and and 
you know, that's also a trade that runs in the modular variety family. I, I can't do my mom justice in the comments that I would make here, other than to say that she'll be sorely missed, but also that she will be content, that she was content, and that we are rejoicing in her freedom from her infirmities. And I'm sorry that I'm waxing long on this, as I like to tell other people for myself, uh, you know, short story long. My two other quick stories uh, about my mom, and one is uh, she, when she sent me off to school, I went to Cedarville before the freshman year, I started a summer semester. And my mom wanted to help me rearrange the room. And I was very happy to be free of my mom and tried to get her to leave as quickly as possible. And those of you that know my mom also know that sometimes she could be a little stubborn. So I had to very forcefully tell my mom that I was ready for her to go. And I didn't know this at the time, but she basically went to the uh, director of, the associate director of admissions, admissions at Cedarville, and she sat in his office and cried for half an hour, saying, how could my son reject me like this? And probably a little overdramatically. But that, uh, you know, six months later, so this would have been just, you know, August of uh, 95, but uh, we got into some small tiff about something that wasn't important. And my mom was, a, you know, we were fighting, bickering back and forth as we probably uh, did many times. And she turned to me and she said, you know what? She just stopped. She said, you know what? This isn't important. And I have missed you and I'm glad to have you home. But I'm also grateful to know that in another couple of weeks you'll be heading back to school and I won't have to deal with this anymore. And my mom taught me to be a peacemaker. Um, she taught me to pray. And she taught me to focus on the eternal. And I could tell lots more stories. Um, and I would be happy to share with anyone who probably doesn't want to hear them <laughs> uh, over the next couple hours. Um, but that's really all that I... That I, that I have, it just, I'm, I'm not saddened so much today, just in the passing of my mom, but rejoicing that I will see her again. And I think that was only like 20 minutes, so. Uh, thanks for that. Okay. Joe and I became prayer partners in 2005. And we've prayed together almost every week since then. The scripture says, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And that's what Joe did for me. When there was something exciting, something wonderful, some way I had seen God at work, she could rejoice with me. And when I was sad and broken and anxious and distressed, 
she would weep with me. Joe was the one who introduced me to the Daily Light, uh, which I've treasured all these years. Every now and then a book would just show up in the mail and I would know it was something she thought I should read. Um, truth be told, uh, there were times I was a little intimidated by her, but always I valued her insight and her wisdom, her love and her friendship, her faithfulness and her steadfastness. And I thank God and will continue to thank God on every remembrance of her. The day after Joe passed, I wrote um, a few things down. Joe will be remembered by me most as someone sitting beside me, listening, asking questions, encouraging and loving me. Her enthusiasm for our church was inspiring. When she and Krishna first came to us several years ago, they were eager to jump right in and attend community groups, give rides, and even babysit. Joe showed me that despite health challenges and lack of mobility, God could work in powerful ways through someone who cared for others in whatever way they could. I think we will all fondly remember her classic intro to responses on Church Center, Joe M. here. <laughs> she was thoughtful in her prayers, thoughtful of others, and thoughtful of how much we all need God to help us. She knew the names of each of my children and their spouses and their needs and my burdens for them. And whenever I sat down beside her, she asked me about them. And that meant so much to me. She'd lived a full life and had learned a lot and would freely share those things. But she was also eager to learn and grow in her knowledge of God's word new worship music and new authors. She was never so set in her ways that she wasn't open to learning something new. And the older I get, the more I understand how that's a challenge. She was an example of this to me. She wasn't perfect, of course, and never pretended to be, but she loved and trusted Jesus, and God was her refuge. As I consider her example of one woman sitting in that row of her old building, I think we can picture her there. Um, and the amount of impact she had in that one chair, I think about my own life, full of hustle and bustle, trying to serve and reach out to others, but overwhelmed with how many needs I see and always feeling like I'm failing to love well. Joe loved well. The people that came to her via coming over to where she was sitting on a Sunday morning or praying at, through church center, God sovereignly brought them to her, and she impacted many. In two of the gospel accounts of the women who anointed the, or of the woman who anointed the feet of Jesus, he commends her to the others who were critical by saying in Mark's account, she has done what she could. And in Luke's account, he says, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Joe was forgiven much and loved much, and she did what she could do 
until she could do no more. And that little that she could do makes me want to trust God for the little that I can do. And I praise God for bringing Joe Matravati into my life. And she will be missed. Um, I'm Srikant Matravati. Uh, my my uh, uncle Krishna is here and my aunt Joe is in heaven. And I'm certain of that because Jesus promised us that. And you should be too if you believe in him. Um, as I was on the airplane coming in from Colorado, I was think of, thinking back to all the conversations I had with my aunt. And I think she would have told me to, to do three things. I'm going to do three B's, right? First of all, Bobby. That's what she'd call me. Be thankful. Be thankful. Um, we are thankful for her as a family. Um, my dad came to the United States in 1980, um, lived with his, with his brother and sister-in-law, my aunt, for a couple of months until he got a job. It's an amazing sacrifice. My, uh, my uncle kind of had to make it because it was his older brother, but his sister-in-law did not. And she didn't take it just as an obligation. I think my dad, who's passed away, would, rem would remember all the things that uh, she did. I know I do. Uh, when we came to the United States in 1980, and this was a, a culture shock, as you would imagine. And from the big things of uh, introducing us to how things are in America to uh, even what we would have considered little things like... Uh, getting paid to babysit Shanta and Prakash, uh, and also uh, tennis lessons while we were here, which, had, which served us, uh, my family, well um, in, our, in our time and going to getting to go to college and other aspects. And the one thing we always knew was that my aunt Joe was always thinking about other people and what they needed. And so she would say, be thankful as we are thankful my sister couldn't make it, and my mom couldn't make it today, but they would say they're very thankful to have a, a, a sister-in-law and an aunt in their life that cared about us, not because she had to, but because she wanted to. I think my aunt would also tell me, be certain. Um, little note about me and my faith journey and how important my aunt was in my own faith journey. And I was... I wandered and waddled and uh, flip-flopped about what my commitment to Jesus was about. And she, every time I would talk to her, she'd say, be certain. You can be certain. You can know that you know that you know who you are and that Jesus loves you and that you'll be in heaven. And he, she gave me certainty. And she would tell you who are walking a little bit wobbly today to be certain. And I think finally she'd say, be encouraged. Because this isn't, we know our, with our faith that this isn't the end. This is the beginning for her. She would tell you two things I think about being encouraged. One is that prayer works. I think all of you talk about her as a prayer warrior. I do as well. And I was very appreciative of the person that said that a book would arrive in the mail. Because <laughs> I got those two. <laughs> and I really, I really... Uh, kind of fancy myself an amateur theologian. So I thought, oh man, I'll read everything she tells, sends me. But I found the joy one day when I sent her face to face with Ken Boa, volumes one and volumes two. 
And even the last time I talked to her, she said, oh, I love that book that you sent me. So I consider, you consider success as a theologian, right? Not when you read a book, but that we've given a book that influences other people. So she would say, be encouraged. And my last memory always is our time, and we were walking in San Antonio, and I always know, like, I know you talk about walking and, and mobility and all those challenges, but no matter what, it was always about joy and always about what's the most important thing, and that was her walk with Christ and her encouragement for her family. And Jai didn't learn this in the military, right? Because you do, you do talk a lot in the Air Force, but in the Air Force, they teach you how to stop, right? So, so Jai, I'm going to give you advice right now, right? There's, there's three rules of Air Force briefing. Be bold, right? Which I think I got to do. Be brief, which I think I was. And be done, which is what I am now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a writer, not a speaker, so, and I'm also getting over a cold. But Joe was a gift giver, mm -hmm. and I wanted to show you, as, you can read that, definitely, you can read it from where you are. No, you can't, even if you're close to it, it's, the script is very fancy, but this is what it says. She gave this to me on the day of my son, my baby shower for my son. And it's from Psalm 145, it says, one generation shall declare your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. And I think possibly even someone at your church made this, and I, I don't remember who she told me it was from, but um, that was a very special message that she gave to me when I was getting ready to become a new mother. Mm. And with her now passed away, I'm gonna remember that charge that she gave to me because she did love her, um, her children and her grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And like the Apostle John writes that his greatest joy was to see his children, uh, you know, following Christ and proceeding in the faith. I think that was a great joy for her too. Even in the last days when I brought my son to visit her in the hospital and he would sing hymns for her, I think that was just such a joy for her. And um, she loved her children and grandchildren dearly. So as I go forward, I'm gonna remember the testimony of faith that she's left for all of us that you've been hearing about today. And I hope that I can pass that on as well to my son. So yeah. that was all I wanted That's to say. Awesome. That's awesome. Thanks, Amy. Joe and I were friends for 35 years. Our children played together. And from the very beginning, it was about the Lord. And I just, there was something, even if I hadn't heard from her for a month, there was something about just knowing she was there she was alive and she was praying for me mm -hmm. and for my kids. And uh, I believe, I don't know how it works in heaven, but if at all possible, Joe is keeping her eye on all of us and praying for us. 
She really invested in people. She really cared. And I found a poem that talks about investing in other people. When I die, give what's left of me away to children and old men that wait to die. And if you need to cry, cry for your brother walking the street beside you. And when you need me, put your arms around anyone and give them what you need to give me. I want to leave you something, something better than words or sounds. Look for me in the people I've known or loved. And if you cannot give me away, at least let me live in your eyes and not in your mind. You can love me best by letting hands touch hands and by letting go of children that need to be free. Love doesn't die, people do. So when what's left, so when what's all that's left of me is love, give me away. Thank you for sharing, everyone. And I know that others would have something to share as well, and possibly um, we can have the opportunity to share with uh, Krishna in particular what Joe meant, but in particular we can just give thanks to God one way or the other for the work of grace in Joe's life. I want to share for a few moments today out of Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 and verses 29 through 30. It's known as, a, as the golden chain of salvation. Um, and, uh, and I wanted to preach on this specifically because of Joe's life. This is what it says. This is the Apostle Paul speaking, the authoritative word of God that says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Well, family and friends, our sister in Christ, your wife, your mother, your friend, Joe, has held each of these golden links by the grace of God. And now grasps the ultimate shining link of being glorified. She is the possessor of riches that are hard for us to imagine, a joint heir with Christ, an inheritor of all the promises that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And we just have to sit back and say, wow, wow. It is the glory of this ultimate prize that I want us to consider just for a few moments together. And the reason for this uh, specifically is that at times of grief, the reality is that we are most impressionable to that which is eternal. When I stood in the room with Krishna right after Joe passed, 
the weight of glory in that room was palpable. Eternity. And it was made fresh in that moment, but as we look around at one another, the weight of glory in each one of us. Eternity. Eternity. We are eternal people. The death of a loved one opens the lives of family members and friends and even casual acquaintances into the vision of heaven. So these are moments of grace that we need to take advantage of. The, the author of Ecclesiastes says this, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting for it's the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. And so as we consider the place where dear Joe now resides on this 19th day of November in 2022, we have some moments of grace right now to benefit our own souls. You, you and I, Joe's family, her children and her grandchildren and you, her circle of friends, are meant to benefit from today as we consider that final golden link. So the first thought is where Joe is today is a specific place, not some sort of spiritual state. She is not floating around on some cloud. Jesus made it so clear. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. That, that language that Jesus uses indicates that he was preparing permanent rooms, a place for us, for Joe, for his children, real Habitable, personal abodes. What, what a thought. It's difficult to grasp, to be sure. It wasn't easy for the original writers to communicate, but Scripture is clear that Joe is in a kind of home designed for her by the creator of the universe and the savior of her soul. Her room is perfect for her because he has always known her, every thought and desire. It's more than she ever conceived of or wished for. This is not just a, a nice sentiment, a nice thing to, you know, possibly that this is true. This, this is reality, eternal reality that God's word makes clear. It's, it's a wonder, honestly, why we as believers in Jesus Christ, if you follow Jesus, why we cling to this life so much. The Apostle Paul had it right. I'm hard-pressed between the two, he says. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. He wasn't simply depressed. He, he had a vision of the reality of that which Jesus had spoken and the promises of eternity. It's always far better to be with Christ. It's far better whether you are three months old or three years or thir 13 or 33 or 83 when you pass. We, we know where Joe is, and it is such a better place than anything she experienced here. So when Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, in John chapter 14, verse 1, he, he means it. Let not your hearts be troubled. Joe is also in a glorious state because of what is not there. There's no longer any death there. Jesus says of departed believers, they cannot die anymore, this is Luke chapter 20, because they're equal to angels and are sons of God or daughters of God, being sons of the resurrection. Relentless, unremitting, eternal life courses through their souls today, through Joe's soul. As a, as a pastor, I've seen over the years numerous deaths and more than I would wish to see. It's, it's not natural, death. 
Adam and Eve were not created to die. Death was made normative simply because of their disobedience to God. It is always wrenching, regardless of the godliness of the departed. A beloved family member or friend is torn from this earth and and is torn from us, and so there is pain and there is sorrow. It's grief, and it hurts. But now for Joe, no more death. Those in heaven will never again experience death and separation. The dark threat that we are under never comes for them again. Here we sorrow, and it's right that we do so. Love, actually, as we have talked about, love love invites sorrow. Love invites this difficult, this grief and sadness. The deeper the love, the deeper is the sorrow. Our, our Lord himself, did he not weep over his friend Lazarus and his sisters, though he knew he would raise Lazarus in just a few moments? And at this moment, Christ sympathizes with your human pain. He sees you. He knows you. He experienced human sorrow himself. He understands tears. And he understands your tears. But for now, Joe, there's no sorrow for her. Revelation says that in heaven he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Can you imagine that? No more tears, no more pain, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying. We've had tears, and rightly so, but not so with Joe. Never again will she suffer hurt. Never again will she suffer sorrow or or grief or even a lump in her throat. For Joe, there's no longer any pain, and for that we give God thanks. It's tough to suffer through the process of aging like Joe did. Her days over the last few years, though she still managed to care extensively for many through prayer and provision, were filled with difficulty, filled with pain. And over these last number of weeks, it it was very difficult for Joe to suffer the effects of what was her impending death. But she's done. And in heaven, there is no more pain. There is no more pain. There's no more weariness. There's no need to end a conversation because of an ache. No need to stay housebound because of a lack of oxygen or a pain in her legs or or back or her heart. Neither is there ever the pain of misunderstandings and hurt feelings, no relational sorrow of any kind, now just free, open, unhindered, unending exchange with all the redeemed and with the Redeemer himself. And we sit back and we say, wow, really? Yes, really. Along with this, heaven, there is nothing that defiles. Revelation again says of heaven, nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what's detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And over the years, God has shown his grace and woven it into Joe's soul, and she felt a conflict with the course of this world, with its blasphemies and its perversions and its cruelties and deceptions and unfairness. Uh, But now there's nothing to aggravate her soul. She lives in a constant stream of truth and goodness. So heaven is glorious indeed. And not simply for what is not there, but heaven is glorious because of what is there. Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of heaven. And Joe's seen him. Can you imagine? Joe has seen him. Right? Really, Joe has seen 
Jesus. Man. I should become like him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we should be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And that's our joke. We pray our Father in heaven because heaven is the place of his throne and the perfect place of his worship. And as believers, we're filled with the worshipful sense of God being our Father and the Holy Spirit fills us afresh and gives us eyes to see and rises in our hearts this cry, Abba, Father, dear Father. And now, and now it's intermixed for us, right? We have those moments that are wonderful, now unhindered moments of Abba, Father with Joe. Experience of that thing that she longed for so much and that each of us long for, and that is perfect peace, shalom, she has. And we give thanks to God for that. Everything we've considered together from what's not there to what is there is Joe's experience in all its fullness. Second Corinthians 4, 17 through 18 says this, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. And now she's traveled through the unseen to the eternal to which that which is ultimately real. It's not that what we feel isn't real, it's that it is all reflections of that which is real, that which is true and real, and she has entered that. These are shadows. We are in, as Lewis would say, the shadow lands. So this day, as you've entered this house of mourning on this day, there are some things that will benefit your souls amid these tender moments, these things that we spoke of. What would Joe say to us, I think, along with some of the things that you've said? Here are a couple things. That she would say, everyone we meet is of great importance. Because they're all made in the image of God. And they're immortal souls. They're not just people you like or don't like. They are Eternal souls made in the image of God that are worthy of respect and care and love. Whether they believe the gospel of Jesus or not. Second thing I think she would have us know is Jesus Christ is the sole hope, the only hope for every one of those souls. And the, the third thing would be Christ's death was sufficient for her sins and indeed for the sins of anyone who comes to him. And so she would say, call on him, Call on him, believe on Jesus, repent of your sins, and believe on Christ Jesus. The gift of forgiveness, she would say, like the Bible says, comes from grace alone, not by works. She would say, look, if it's by grace, it's no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would be no longer grace. Romans eleven six. she would say, come and trust in the finished work of Christ. She would say, salvation comes by faith, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it's the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one might boast. She would urge you and me 
to give first priority to these matters. To put your phones away. Shut the TV off for a moment. Turn off the noise and consider that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. She would echo the words of Jesus, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And for Joe herself, she would tell us not to mourn for her because though she's experienced death, she's now perfect, complete, and whole. And she would implore you to repent of your sins again and trust your creator, God, and trust your lives to him. That you too would know the joy and the certainty to be certain of that which he has done for you and where your position is before God. Enemy or redeemed? There are two bookmarks here for Joe's name, Joan or Joanne and Sharon. Gracious gift of God and dearly beloved. And yes, she was. And yes, she is infinitely more than she ever has been. Lord, I pray that you would help us now as we come to a close to sing, to declare that it is certainly well with our soul and that because you live, we can have certainty of our future. And we can have certainty of our hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand? God sent his son. They called him Jesus, he came to love, heal and forgive, he bled and died to buy my pardon, an empty grave is there to prove my Savior.
When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows
be seated we'll pray one last time Lord we thank you we give you praise because it is well with our souls for one reason alone and it's that you have raised up from the grave and that our sister Joe has followed you there so Lord this morning we we rejoice mixed with grief, Lord, but we are those who grieve with hope. And so we ask as we go from here, as, as what your word has been spoken, that, that we would have such a mind that considers eternity, that considers what is ahead, what, what has been ahead for Joe and is now reality for her, but also Lord, what is ahead for us as well? So we ask that you would be with us as we prepare to go. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One moment. Before a brief announcement, um, we want to go with these words. Now the God who is from everlasting to everlasting, who has loved you with an everlasting love and gives you everlasting life, now supports you with the everlasting arms in these days and all the days until Jesus comes. Amen.